0: Welcome again to another episode of Fan Fuel Motorsports Podcast. This is a podcast where fans feel talk about motorsport. And I'm joined tonight by Colton Cranmore, a couple of our other hosts, uh, Jared and Nathan. They're both busy tonight. They may be popping in a little bit later in the show, we hope. So certainly that they do. Uh, But this is Fan Fuel. uh, And uh, it's not just about uh, being a fan. It's not just about liking motorsport. Um, If you notice our uh, episode today, episode 54. We've titled it Cold Day in the Sun. Um, myself and Colton are pretty big Foo Fighters. For me, they're my favorite, uh, band, um, fans. So, um, I just wanted to do that kind of to pay a little bit of tribute to Taylor Hawkins, the drummer for the band. He, uh, tragically passed away on Friday. Um, and so, uh, before we get into the motorsport stuff, uh, Colton, let's just talk about, uh, Foo Fighters and, and Taylor for a little bit. So, uh, How are you uh, in the fandom of Foo Fighters?
1: Um, I'm pretty big. I gotta be honest. I don't listen to them as frequently as I used to um, a few years ago. Especially like when I was working out, they were so my go-to music. Um, But I'm still a huge fan. I still uh, make sure I download every album that they put out, every song that they put out, um, just because they never seem to stop writing bangers. Right. Um, So I mean, this this one was tough. Um, I've had lots of other favorite. Band members and musicians die in the past, but this one would kind of, it felt more weird, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for me, I've, I've seen them uh, four times. I'll uh, be at one of those was not in person because it was a pandemic show, which is what my t-shirt's from. Um, but they uh, they put on one of the best shows in live music. And even if you're not a fan, you have fun at a Foo Fighters show. Um, I think they're one of the band's that just doesn't have any controversy most of the time. Um, Dave Grohl even at one point had a Dale Jr. guitar, which was pretty badass. Mm-hmm. But uh, when it came when it came to live shows, especially for me, Taylor um, was basically the heart of the band. Everybody knows Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. You don't hear about you know who their bassists or their keyboardists or whatever are. But if you're a Foo Fighters fan, um, you know that. Foo Fighters doesn't really exist without Taylor Hawkins. So, I mean, that man made the shows. The chemistry between he and Dave was something that you you don't see in a lot of other bands even. Um, and so it's really, really just a sad time for all of us who are Foo Fighters fans. So we just wanted to take a moment and, and say that our thoughts are with Taylor's family, his wife, three kids, and then, of course, the rest of the Foo uh, Fighters and fans because this one was a really big hit. Um, I mean, for me, this was one of the musicians, one of the famous people really uh, that actually hit me hard because it felt like, you know, you'd, you'd made a relationship just by being a fan for so long. Uh But yeah, um so on on that somber note, I do want to obviously change it up, but uh, I did want to shout him out. Um, so go rock the foos for a couple of days. uh Just go watch concerts, whatever, just to see a little bit of, into what. Taylor Hawkins brought to the table. Um, It'll be worth your while. Uh, A a great musician and a great person. Sad to see him uh, pass away like that. Um, But anyways, let's get right back into the show. Um, And Colton, I'm going to steal the show for a little bit. Uh, We're going to talk about some international stuff. We had some road racing at NASCAR this weekend, but, you know, we are fan fuel. Uh, Nate and I usually talk about the international stuff. He's sadly not going to be with us for this first part of the show. Um, and I did want to get into some formula one stuff. The Saudi GP uh, happened this weekend. We had a little bit of controversy out of whether or not it was going to happen because we had uh, a bombing, uh, near close to the trap, which was something that was very interesting. I'm not going to speak on that because I don't know anything other than that. It actually happened, but the race did go on. And it was the second pretty much straight banger for formula one in as many weeks. And, um, That was very good for their their sport, very good for their new model car. But I do want to say something, that we do have uh, two back-to-back start times within 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. starts um, with F1. And that was really good. We saw record-breaking numbers this weekend. So I have to ask a question to you, NASCAR fan, Colton. What's the get what what's the what's the gig? Like why why are we still starting at 3 p.m. if formula one's pulling in its most viewers ever in a US market at 1 p.m. Uh TV is
1: the only thing I can really think of. Um I posted a meme on Twitter the other day of seen trailer park boys of the whole uh you know what are their names? Trevor Corey, new TV contracts. Let's go because NBC and Fox are starting to kill. Any kind of momentum that we gather, because a 3 p.m. start time here, um, you're running into dinner on a Sunday night. You know, absolutely. Um, you know, with Formula One, they're getting folks in the middle of the day. Maybe just getting home from running errands. Maybe just waking up. Maybe just getting home from church. Um, there's nothing on. You're a race fan. You're gonna throw on some Formula One, and that's especially different for me. When I was a kid, I used to remember, and even just you know, probably this year and the last couple of years, um, getting up, having to get up super early if I wanted to watch Formula One race. And now it's kind of changing the tides a little bit and getting it kind of into that prime weekend TV audience of the morning to, you know, early afternoon slot times um, where people are sitting around not much to do. Um, So I think NASCAR definitely needs to take a look at that and they need to take a look at when their peak numbers were in terms of viewership and start switching some of those back. Um, Not only does it give you more viewership, um, but it expands the window if it does start to rain or if there's some inclement weather coming. Um, now you all of a sudden have an extra three to four hours to maybe dry the track at places that don't have lights like Talladega. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, that's a huge, we talked about it a little bit last year about the start times, um, but this is kind of, this is going to be a front burner issue here soon. If formula one keeps jumping up in ratings like this with these early start times in the U S.
0: Yeah. And uh, you do have a point, but uh, it is a global sport. So what, what happening uh in a couple weeks is they'll be in australia for the australian grand prix and it's probably going to be one two three a.m start so we'll we'll have to really look and see what espn's going to do because they haven't had an australian gp uh since they've been in the uh in the rights for them i do believe i could be wrong i think they came around in 2020 not 2019 which is the last time we had an australian gp uh if you know and you're in the comments correct me on that um but you know we're gonna have we're gonna have to see if they're gonna do a replay at that 10 a.m. start start time that they usually do with the European races. Um, so if that's if that's the case and, the, and it does better than the one that's live, you know, at, at 2 a.m. NASCAR is gonna have to look at something because right. to have Formula One jump them in the next couple of years would be the biggest failure that we could see as 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 fans of nascar in the sport not saying that i don't love formula one but it's never been number one and if it ever does get to number one i think that's signing signing the door nailing the coffin for um for our nascar uh, but i'll get back to the race um we'll talk about some some stuff that's a little bit relevant to our our discussions later and um let's let's go ahead and look at some of the controversy that happened, and that was uh, Sergio Perez and Lewis Hamilton were caught out each differently during the race by a virtual safety car and safety car, respectively. Uh, We saw Checo go into the pits right before a safety car came out while he was leading, and that basically mired him to uh, outside of the top 10, I believe. He worked his way back up to finish, I believe, fourth in the GP which was astonishing, but Hamilton, when he got screwed over by the virtual safety car, um, he he stayed in the back. He did not finish in the top 10 um, as far as I know, so um, we'll get into that a little bit later. I'm not going to spend too much more time on it. I do want to, however, jump to Australia. I am a huge Supercars fan, and I'm, I've i been hounding Colton, been hounding Jared, hounding Nathan, and everybody that I get a chance. You guys have got to buy Superview. It is the best $7 I spend every month to watch the V8 supercars. And if you don't want to do it, watch the old races because they have full seasons on their YouTube channel. Um They have had two um, events so far. They had Sydney super night and, and that was, I think three weeks ago. Um, and it showed why supercars is keen on road courses. They had two very different races. They were uh, both strategy races. One was at night. The other one was during the day and there was rain involved. We saw, uh, Chaz Mossert come out and and do his thing on the sunday of super night and then shane van gisbergen had a huge um tackle to overcome a penalty that he had in the front of the race came back and finished eighth and you don't do that in supercars. he it's like he never even had uh the penalty and then we returned to tazzy uh from last night and shane van gisbergen do- dominated all three this weekend And I I can't say uh, anything, but um, if you don't know about the Tasmanian Trek, um, it is basically Martinsville made into a road course. So go watch it. Uh, I know I'm just kind of really running through this because nobody that I know watches supercars. So I'm just trying to get you all to watch it. But um, they have a new car coming out next year, and it is better than the next-gen car by miles. They're going to have near 1,000 horsepower. It's going to be a Ford Mustang and a Chevy Camaro, and they are one-to-one with their production models. Um, and you can go look up a uh, five-minute video of them testing at Tasmania um, at the Simmons Plains Circuit from this past weekend. And Marco Sambros, uh and Garth Tander, uh, both champions in V8 supercars. Of course, you all know Marcus from NASCAR. Um, they were putting on a race themselves, just being the two cars on track. So I would suggest go watch that. Get ready for Gen Three supercars and watch them next year if you're not going to watch them this year. Um, so I'll stop talking about <laughs> my supercars that I love so much. Ed Colton, it is time to talk about Circuit of the Americas. And before we get into Woker joke being back this week, uh, what were your overall thoughts for the weekend? Um. I thought
1: that Sunday's race was decent at best. Um, I thought the finish um, was for me I didn't I did not like the finish other than the fact that I picked Ross Chastain to win in our little podcast group. Um, and so when he punted uh, Almondinger off, uh, I got up and cheered for that. but other than that, um, I'm thoroughly disappointed with how drivers race nowadays, um, especially at road courses, um i thought the race any form of strategy that could have played out was completely neutered um and i thought it was just kind of you know 67 laps of for the most part single file follow the leader not a whole lot going on unless someone could get to someone else's bumper and slide him out of the way
0: yeah and we'll get into a little bit of more of that when we do our points for Woker joke but for me uh i think the word that comes to mind is disappointment yeah we are at a Formula One racetrack. We are at an FIA grade one facility. Circuit of the Americas is a premier track on the world stage, the premier track on the United States stage. And we have the next gen car, which was basically built around going to a road course to be a better show. And we could not provide that. And that was because we never got the chance. There was plenty of times that we had... Um, passing going on. But it was all because of the manufacturer drama. It was because of restarts. Um, And it was because we didn't have a long enough run to showcase what the track itself and the next gen platform can do. Um, And, and the reason I brought up supercars earlier was to, is to call back to them because they don't have gimmicks. They have shorter races. Sometimes they have longer races. Sometimes and that's where it really ends. They they I actually have strategy where they have to pit once or multiple times each race. They don't have stages and stuff. And they put on a way better product than we do on road courses because we decided that we have to chop things up. Um, but that was just my my thoughts on the weekend. Um, so let's get into a Woker joke. So um, as always, if you agree with the statement, We'll call it a woke statement. If not, it's a joke statement. Um, this is basically all going to be about Cup until the very end. So um, you can play along at home in the comments, throw them up on Facebook and YouTube, and we can see them. Uh, but let's get started. So Daniel Suarez wins stage number one and on the restart gets taken out because of whatever happened in turn one when they were six and seven wide.
1: Um, joke, I feel bad for – uh. For Suarez, he was having a great day um, up until that point. And he looked like um, maybe not the dominant car, but definitely one of the top three dominant cars, um, which is, I mean, good for track house because they had the other dominant car, I felt. Um, you know, I, I hate to see him have bad luck like that. Um, I made a tweet this last weekend about bad luck Bubba, um, but it's getting pretty damn close with Suarez too. Yeah, um, I don't know how much closer he can get to just flat out dominating a race than what he was doing on Sunday. Um, before just – I mean, like I mentioned earlier, just com- people completely running over each other, um, which is what happened, and it sucks for him. Um, he did come back to finish, I think, mid-pack just outside the top ten, um, but it still wasn't the day that we were all hoping he would have.
0: Yeah. Um, obviously, joke for me, um, same same reasoning uh, basically, but um, that wouldn't have happened if we – didn't have the weird strategy that came about because we didn't go a fuel run for the stages or a tire run for the stages. So with having basically the whole field flopped over, you had guys that were way faster uh, in the back where where Suarez was than, than the guys in front. And we've seen that happen on an oval. And with turn one being as aggressive as it is already at circuit of the Americas, you add that tire uh, miss strategy in there for the the start of stage two. And it was just, it was just a clusterfuck. So it was very disappointing, but track house got the day that they deserved. Like you said with Ross, um, they, they had the two most dominant cars there. I would lean towards the 99 being more dominant just because Ross couldn't walk out like Suarez could um, in that first stage. But, Having two out of the top three most dominating cars at a road course and yep. we have Hendrick Motorsports um, on, on the circuit, that's that's saying something because they're very, very good road course teams. And Martin Trex Jr. wasn't there all day. So, I mean, it worked out for them. Um, So next up, cautions for the seven of Corey LaJoey and 22 of Joey Logano.
1: Uh, joke. When this happened, um, I immediately, again, back to Twitter, tweeted, "Why the hell was this a caution? Because they both kept rolling. Neither of them stopped. Um, this was, in all honesty, just to create an overtime finish." Um, I also made the joke that we're about five years away from mandatory uh, green-white checkers in NASCAR, and this was just a step in that direction. Um, we saw, um, I don't know. Oh, we're getting to it next. Uh, the Ricky Stenhouse incident. This was the complete 180 from it, complete opposite reaction that we were kind of expecting from NASCAR. Um, I understand the 22 had some some damage in his car, but he was more than able to limp it around um, by the time anyone really got to him. So complete joke, um, just manufactured drama at that point.
0: Yeah, obviously a complete joke for me as well. Um, inconsistency is the name of the game. If you are in the uh, scoring booth for NASCAR, um, I don't know what the, what that change needs to happen, but somebody has got to get fired at this point. Um, We've seen it where at at Martinsville, you'll have a car stopped um, and that's not a caution, but then the 15 is rolling on a flat on the outside of three and four. And it is a caution. And that carried over to uh, the second longest racetrack um, in length and the longest racetrack in lap time uh, in the circuit. On Sunday, and that's kind of ridiculous. Um, so we, we've seen cars that were stopped, and we'll talk about that next. Not get a caution, and then both of these guys, albeit Joey Logano, had a just totally fucked suspension. Uh, they were rolling; they would have made it back to the um, to the pits at some point. And if they had to um, do anything with either of those cars, there's plenty of spaces on an FIA grade one circuit for cars to pull off behind the barriers. So um, it's a terrible job by NASCAR for officiating those two. Um, They just don't need to happen. Uh, So with that being said, let's talk about the caution that did not happen for quite some time. Uh, And you mentioned it, Ricky Stenthouse Jr., uh, the 47 was coming to a stop very, very, very slowly on the back straightaway, and he got about halfway there, and he started rolling backwards before NASCAR threw the caution.
1: Yeah, um, complete joke again. Um, you even hear Tony call it out in the booth and say, I don't know why they waited so long to throw a caution. They It was obvious that he was going to stop. Um, it was obvious that he was not under power. Um, I mean, maybe they were waiting for him to fire off really quick, but we have not seen that out of any of these cars um, so far this season where they completely die, lose power, Um, or something breaks and they just immediately fire right back up as soon as they stop. In fact, it's the opposite. Usually when they stop they are completely beached and squatted on the track. Um, So that was very irritating. Again, just, I don't know why they waited and it was right in the middle of a pit cycle, which made it worse. Um, You know, if this was just a normal green flag run, fine. Okay. It's still inconsistent, but this really could have, Altered the outcome of the race way more than it already did. Um, you know, what if what if there were some of the really heavy hitters like Chastain and Dinger that didn't make that cut and that got sent to the back just for that?
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously this one's another complete joke. I don't know. They called it out on on the broadcast that this was manipulating the race. And that's something you don't even see from Fox. They're usually right up NASCAR's ass, right? Um, and obviously a little bit was Smoke being in the booth. He doesn't care. Um, he's been at, at odds with NASCAR his whole career. Um, I, I just, I don't get it. Again, we are supposed to be the premier stock car series in the world, and we're trying to play games on other people's racetracks. So why aren't we adapting to the way that they do things? I'm not sure um the 47 is not in a dangerous spot there um maybe that's why the hesitation happened but you knew he wasn't under power he was going to stop um something needed to be done or they could have turned him in at the access road um that was a little bit farther up the track um so that could be under the spotters as well i don't know what needs to change but something needs to change i mean there were seven cars, I think, that completed their pit stops, knowing that something was gonna happen. And we still waited forty five seconds for him to have the caution thrown. I don't know. we, we, we we've got we gotta do something. Uh, back to what I said earlier about the weekend as a whole. Just disappointing. Uh, we're better than this, you know. Um, so let's move to the reactions. Um, I saw at least on Twitter and specifically read it, um, and that was that everyone was clamoring about this race after the finish. Um, so was this a good race um, due to the finish, um, or was it just because of wrecking? So I guess to make it a woke or joke statement statement, um, the finish made this race fantastic.
1: Yeah. Um- I'm still going to say joke just because I'm not one that says a finish makes a good race. Um, You have to look at the whole race objectively. Um, This whole race was not good, Um, and I am especially not a fan of the finish. Um, I kind of alluded to it earlier that I don't think these guys anymore, and it ties back to Denny Hamlin's tweet over um, this past weekend as well, that guys don't seem to know how to pass, especially pass for the lead, um, without completely running over each other. Um, the bump and run is now long gone because if you don't do it in the very last corner, um, and completely almost wipe the guy out, he's going to come right back and just kamikaze you. Um, that used to not be an issue. There used to be a, a, huge respect for the people you were racing against. Um, there used to be a lot more give and take, and now it's all take. And it's just because of the, uh, the emphasis that NASCAR has put on winning, um, instead of on a good season, you now have to win all these races. So I did not think it was a good race at all. Um, And ironically, it's the fans that complain about people watching only for the wrecks that seem to have loved this
0: race. Right. Um, I I will say on principle of the statement that I made, did this finish make the race fantastic? I will say I'm on the fence. I'm going to lean towards woke because it made the slog that was those 45 minutes worth of green, white checkers worth it. However, if I zoom out just a little bit from that statement, I thought the whole race was a joke. I thought that we didn't have strategy racing at all. So we couldn't see what was good about road course racing. Um, we could not see toe to toe battles because the runs were too short to have tire wear come into a f- effect or, or the chassis set up to come into effect so we could see comers and goers. And it, It only got spicy when we got all of those random-ass cautions at the end and we couldn't put down more than turn one for lap one in each of these overtime finishes. And that is not only embarrassing, it's pathetic. Um, Yeah. I understand that people like Monster Jam. I understand that people like Demolition Derbies, but I don't think – that big loud noises and crashing is indicative of who the greatest race car drivers are in the world. And if we're going to claim that these are the greatest stock car drivers in the world, they need to fucking show me because they're racing pathetically. Like you said, there's a lack of respect. Um, I think one of Nathan's points is um, I'm confident in saying this for him. You know, we've talked about it on here, the safety that we have had in the last 20 years has made the complacency skyrocket for all of these younger dudes coming up because they they don't have to be scared of losing limbs, breaking arms, or dying anymore. So they don't know that respect for the car, and they definitely don't know that respect for the competitor. And right. I think that's what led to the absolute shit show that was the last part of this race.
1: In... Um... I agree completely. Um, I think in regards to the fan reactions that we saw this past weekend, um, especially like I I take Jeff Gluck's poll kind of every week and look at it objectively and, okay, why did people vote like this? Um, I think it's because over the past four to five years, um, NASCAR has put such an emphasis on good racing is pack racing or good racing is passing, which neither of those are – Advertently true. Um, and in, I mean, in response to all those, we have stages, we have unnecessary cautions. We have this, that, and the other that creates those, the pack racing that creates the excessive restarts so that NASCAR and the broadcasters can say, Oh wow, there's seven wide going into turn one instead of, Oh wow, we're getting down to the last little bit of this long run, um, to end the race. These guys are both on worn tires. Who's going to do what Um, when I think of what a good race is, especially like when I go to my local short track, some of the best races I've ever seen have been green flag for 50, 70, 80 laps. Um, they haven't been just a two lap shootout and see guys beating the piss out of each other. Don't get me wrong. It is, it is a novelty and it's nice to have two, three times a year just to say, okay, that was kind of cool. Um, but some of the best races I've seen is seeing a guy hunt someone else down for 20, 30, 40 laps, right. and I think that's what a lot of fans are moving away from, um, especially fans that are our age that grew up with the Gen 4, the COT, um, some really great racing, um, and now they're going into, well, if if cars aren't passing each other, it's
0: not good racing.
1: Um, right.
0: Um, that, that leads to to the interview. I, I want to say it was at Indianapolis. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Could be Pocono. It was definitely one of the summer racetracks where Tony Stewart said, look, you know, the look up the definition of passing and look up the definition of racing. We're racing out here. That quote. Yeah. I think that summarizes my thoughts about what happens um, nowadays in racing. Look at the next gym platform. I remember we had a discussion last year about when was the last time since stage racing happened that we saw an instant classic we've seen with this new car too. We've seen, you know, um, the, the Vegas and the um, Auto Club races. Phenomenal races, right? What did they do? They had natural cautions and not sure. bullshit. So we get to these bigger longer tracks. It doesn't matter if it's a road course or an oval. Big, long tracks lend themselves to, you know, fuel mileage, tire strategy races. Yep. I would much rather see Daniel Suarez... Out there 25 seconds in the lead, have done a three-stop strategy. Somebody like Kyle Bush decides within 10 laps to go, I'm not catching this guy, I'm in second, goes in the pits, put on, puts on stickers, and somehow pulls a fucking miracle out of his ass, passes him on the last lap. That over a 60 out 68 lap race would be absolutely phenomenal. Right. And 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 we don't have that anymore. It's not conclusive of that. And and that's, that's a joke to me. So yeah. I don't know. I, I, you can look at my Twitter. I have been extremely crude when it comes to this opinion and I'll get into it later when we get to our rant section, but I'm tired of looking at the sport and realizing that when people say we are the WWE of motorsports, it's actually true. Um, so yep. let's go, let's go to something that NASCAR has done, um, uh, in the past year, starting with road America, uh, last year. And that's, they are showing one to green, not at the start finish line, but on the back straightaway, the lap that they are going to go green. Um,
1: this is complete woke. I love this. Um, it is a way for them to start speeding up these cautions, especially at these super long circuits that we go to. Um, I love it. I think it's phenomenal that they're doing it. Um, I think it kind of puts teams in a box to where if you want to pit, you have to do it now. There's no sandbagging it and trying to, um, maybe see if someone else is going to pit in front of, you, you know, if you want to pit, you got to do it now. Cause they might call one to go over there. Um, I love it. I think this is phenomenal that they do it this way. Um, everyone's set. Let's just go ahead and call one to go instead of like, we've seen time and time before at Talladega or Daytona, Everyone gets set, and then you still got another lap and a half or lap and three quarters of pace laps around a super long track. Um, Huge fan of this. I love that they do it.
0: Yeah. And uh, I got to go a complete woke on that as well. Um, We always harp NASCAR on not being able to make the right decisions. And we saw them do this at Road America last year. um, And that was. Probably the best rule change that they've they've made in in in, in the past few years. I would say um, I would love to see the choose cone implemented as well. If mm-hmm. we're going to do this, I think it's conclusive. I think it's um, more important at a road course where starting position can be um, very much influential to what happens post turn one. Um, that would be the only thing that I think that they could improve on. This was a phenomenal change. It, shot, it showed us that we didn't have to waste another lap each time that we went around. Circuit uh, of America is under caution this year, and um, that probably saved us probably, I don't know, 20 to 30 minutes just it on the day alone because we had so yeah. many cautions. So moving on from that, um, we're going to talk about corner-cutting uh, penalties. They removed the – they're calling turtles. Um, they were really concrete um like try rumble strips. Yeah, yeah they, they were a lot more aggressive than the turtles that we see um in um, the chicanes at the roval and on the back straightaway of Daytona. Um they removed those basically the little yellow pyramids that were there um and basically said you can have two tires on the red and two tires on the rumble strip anything else and it's a penalty. Um so how was the penalty um, just overall was the penalty enforcement a- across Saturday and Sunday? Was that a woke or a joke?
1: Complete joke. This is, this is a fucking shit show. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. Um, we saw during the truck race um, Haley Deegan was forced kind of out, um, out of that parameter, forced four tires over um, that strip that they were basing it off of. And, uh, they gave her a penalty. She was forced over again, didn't. Um, There was another time on Saturday where both, towards the end of the race, um, both the nine of Noah Gregson and the 07 of Cole Custer had very clearly all four tires over that mark and did not get a penalty. But Jeremy Clements and Jeb Burton, both for two lower-income teams, did get a penalty in a top-six day for both of those guys. Um, We saw on Sunday, a lot of the backmarker guys got penalized for it. The 27 Um, as well as the 34, Michael McDowell. Um, But Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson did it all day, and we're fine. So this is nothing but clear favoritism for NASCAR of showing, okay, well, the big-name teams can get away with it. Um, It's almost like they're kind of being lobbied against it. Um, This is a complete joke. They need to have a clear and concise rule, or they didn't just put put those pyramids back or put dirt over there, something that's going to make it a penalty for the drivers themselves. If they go off that um, this is judgment calls have no place in racing, let alone in a situation like this, where you're going to ruin someone's day over a judgment
0: call. You're absolutely right. But I don't think this is a judgment call. This is as black as and white is, or in this, in this case as rumble strip or red paint as, as it could be to um, to us.
1: This is a judgment call. And in the books, it's a judgment or to us, this is a, a black and white and in the books. It's black and white. But to NASCAR, it's a
0: judgment call. Right, and I think that's a complete joke. I, I yeah. We we see in – and you know what? I'm going to go down this road uh, because NASCAR has this same rule at Super Speedways, right? Yeah. NASCAR has the yellow line rule, and you can't cross it. You know, whether or not you like the yellow line rule, and the, whether or not – the yellow line rule is debatable. We've, we've seen it ruin people's races. Justin Haley, Regan Smith, both lost races because of the yellow line rule. If NASCAR is going to stick to its guns, it has to stick to its guns on here. This is the yellow line rule on a road course. And yep. you know what you can't do on a super speedway without getting penalized? Force a driver down. We saw them call that at Talladega. They, they said that Denny Hamlin was forced down. And I don't remember the driver who was penalized for it, but he got penalized for it and lost his finishing position at that Talladega race in 2021. And you know what we saw on Sunday? We saw the third-best car, Chase Briscoe, get pummeled. And I believe it was by AJ in the S's. Mm -hmm. And they penalized him for getting all four tires off, not AJ for sending him over there. So I'm just going to call bullshit on the fact that you have a rule that has been in place for years on an oval on a super speedway that you have enforced multiple times that you just did not enforce on Sunday because you didn't feel like it, I guess. How can you how can you genuinely, genuinely say it's fair to Chase Briscoe, who has already been penalized on the racetrack because he's been shot off and is losing spots because he's slowing down to reblend to just make him go to the end of the longest line at the next caution because we didn't make it that lap because we were under the shit show anyways. I don't get it. I don't understand. It. How, how is that? How is that consistent? Yeah.
1: I've always been on the side of if you want there to be a clear and concise barrier of where you can and cannot go on a racetrack, you either put a wall or you put grass. Um, you put some sort of barrier there. You don't just call it when you see it because you're not, A, going to call all of them. You're not going to see all of them or there's going to be some situations that finds a gray area in that.
0: All right. So um, while we are sitting here blasting NASCAR, our great friend Jared Bukiza has finally showed up. Whatever he had earlier uh, is over. So let's go ahead and welcome him to the stream. What's going on, Jared? You missed the uh, first part of Work a Joke, man.
2: What's going on? I caught – I actually got caught – I cat caught – caught the end of what you, <laughs> what, what, what you guys were just talking about. And I completely agree with both of you on that. Whenever it comes to judgment calls, NASCAR, it's just always bullshit because it's always a 50, 50 shot on whether you're going to gonna make the right call or at this point, you know, just either like what Colton's saying, just make it more noticeable or just get rid of the rules in general. And just whatever happens, happens type of deal. Yeah.
0: I mean, would you want to see that, that section of the S is just straight lines because I think that would be pretty fun. Yeah, it would be we'll kind of fun. Of I mean, people I mean, I mean, take it.
2: <laughs> I mean, in video, in video games, as a kid, what would you always do? You try to cut the corners on video, you know, right. like yeah. just send it. You know, if it's, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, then. Just yeah, put actually, like, a big, just put a big like box around it. You can go off road if you really want to. Maybe put some ramps on there, or even have some like shortcuts like on Mario Kart. You know, if we're gonna get, if we're gonna try to play this as a circus, we might as well just add all those types of deals on there.
0: God I, damn, Jared came in with the fucking <laughs> cutthroat stuff. All right, you need to save that for a little bit. We got a couple more welcome jokes, and then we'll get into our wet rant session. I
1: do, um, I do like that, Jared. Though if it's paved, take it. Um, let's see what these cars can really do at circuit of the Americas.
2: Yeah. If these are, if these are the best cars in the world right now or whatever, you know, yeah, might as well yeah. put it, put it to the test. Let's see what it can do off road. And Hey, it'd be yeah. a good preparation for Bristol dirt in a couple weeks.
0: Yeah. There you go. All right. So, uh, getting back to Wilker joke. Um, I got two more for us. And first off, I'm going to go, um, with the more stringent damage vehicle policy on road courses. What do you think? Um, for, for that statement, I, I think I'm basing it off of uh, it takes so long to get cars cleaned up and, get, and uh, getting them back to the pit road because NASCAR gives them a chance to get on the five, well, six-minute clock now and then meet minimum speed to, to come back on the racetrack. So what do you guys think of a more more so um, – it's more stringent, more straightforward. Basically, if, if you got to get towed, At a road course, instead of us wasting time to get you back to pit road, we're going to pull you off at the nearest um, exit, and that's it. I mean, what do you guys think about that, Walker Joe?
2: Um, go ahead, Jared. Go ahead. I I, I like that idea. I hate on route. I hated all the cautions just because it took so long to get refired back up. You know, if you're trying to make this like NASCAR an event for like the casual fan. I don't think the casual fans want to sit there and wait like 20 minutes for like a single, let's say like, for example, a single car spin. And then there's three caution laps, like 10 minutes and commercials and all this hype up. And then there's like a turn or two of racing. And then, Oh, there's another rack. Like we didn't think that was going to happen, you know? So whatever gets them cleaned up and fixed quicker, the better, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very on the fence because I'm not a fan of the damaged vehicle policy as it is. Um, I miss the days of guys being able to go into the garage, work for 90, 100, 200 laps and get back out there and try to, um, collect a few more points. Um, but if they are going to keep the dam- damage, vehicle policy around, this isn't a terrible idea. If you need towed, just call it today. Um, again, I'm not a fan of that policy at all, just in general, but if they are going to keep it, I'm fine with it, just because the pace laps here do take so long.
0: Yeah, obviously it's my my idea, my my point that I brought to Woke or Joke this week, so I'm going to say Woke. Um, I think if you look at open-wheel racing, um, which is obviously primarily done on road courses, those cars are obviously a little bit more fragile, but so are the suspensions of our new cars now. If they get into a wreck and they get stuck Nine times out of ten, they pick them up, put them over the barrier, and put the put the rider or the driver, excuse me, onto a scooter to ride to the to the care center. Um, and and that's that's what I think we should be doing. Um, I think that we're wasting a lot of time to get these guys back on track to do pretty much nothing. I think at this point in NASCAR's history, we don't have um a reason to because we got winning in playoffs and all that that good stuff. Are we really racing for points anymore? Um, like you said, Jared, if it's a circus, might as well make it a good show. Uh, and I can tell you um, one of the guys that is a buddy of mine that streams iRacing races. When the cautions come out, people stop watching. So um, I'm assuming that happens in real life as well. Um, you could not really glue to your seat. If you're watching guys go 80 mile an hour behind a safety car or a pace car, or what have you. So that's, that is what it is.
2: I have something to add with Colton's comment. I, I'm also not a fan of the caution clock thing. So like, for an example, like I'll be biased here and say like last year, whenever Kyle Busch wrecked and like lap six of the new Hampshire race, like I'm, I don't know if the car was unfixable, but I feel like I, and you could probably fix that enough where you could at least race. And he wouldn't have finished in 37th. That week, you know, so that, I just wanted to add in, I do not, I also do not like the six minute caution clock repair damage yeah. thing.
0: I know why they want to do it, but that's, that's again, something but,
2: that, plus that it takes. was always, it was always cool to see like the, all those beat up old cars that were making minimum speed out there. You know, people using like duct tape for their numbers or heck you even got like Dale Jr. Running Hendrick before he was even on Hendrick racing. You know, you never know what could happen with those damaged cars out there.
0: Yeah, and uh, that's something that we lost. That's sadly, I don't think the world that we're ever going to get back to. Um, so I don't know if we're gonna if we're gonna continue down this road, might as well make it efficient, right? So um, that, that was just my idea. Um, and and finally, for Woker joke, um, we saw Jeff Gluck, Gluck um, kind of kind of put this out there. A guy named Jeffrey Miller on Twitter. Um, he he basically. Um, said that these cautions take too long. We need to implement a virtual safety car. So I will read the full tweet thread, um, and this is from him. You can go follow him at Jeffrey Miller capital G, capital M, on Twitter to see everything else from this thread and all the comments. But basically, NASCAR could easily implement a virtual pace car system instead of a harder local yellow process. On road courses, the solution is simple. A virtual yellow is called. Drivers have to set a time, have a set time, excuse me, to slow down the pit road speed. NASCAR already monitors speeds based on um, based on scoring loops, so they could just um, they could just do this between scoring loops as as they already do. Um, egregious, egregious offenders would be penalized. So obviously, if you're going too fast, they would give you a drive-through uh, or whatever under the safety car under green, hold you for 40 seconds under green, whatever, depending on severity of your speed. Um, and then race resumes quickly, quickly once the hazard is cleared. Um, and then this would, uh, uh, he goes on to say this would work because the drivers already know the pit road speed because they monitor it, um, before we get going every race, you know, going through the pit road. Uh, under Pace laps, And it's the same exact technology that they use on pit road. It's just a little bit longer um, between each each loop. So NASCAR VSC, woke or joke?
2: Hmm. What you got, Jared? Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, yeah, I'd just go... I'm going to go with woke on that. I think we need to get... Like, basically whatever helps this process, like kind of like how I stayed before, whatever gets us through less caution laps and stuff. I'm all for that idea. Um, I am not sure
1: how well that would go over. Um, there's already a hell of a time right now as it is, um, kind of resetting the field after cautions. I know you wouldn't reset it with a virtual safety car. Ideally everyone would slow down, at about the same time and kind of keep their distance to the car in front of them. Um, you look at how often guys jump restarts as it is and how many controversies we have over that. Um, this is just expanding from the front row to the whole field. Um, I think it's a great idea to try to save a little bit of time and, um, allow guys to save some of that track position that they have earned. Um, but I'm not so sure how well it would actually go over.
0: So, Colton, I will say woke um, 100%, and I will also say something um, as a rebuttal to what you just said about not not knowing how much should work. I don't think that we have to uh, have the drivers in on this, right? Um, So I think back to the first time I ever went to a go-kart track with electric go-karts. These electric go-karts have a system for basically a virtual safety car. When they want you to slow down, they can slow down the whole bunch. What says that we can't implement a limiter for this? It would be, let's say, 10 mile an hour faster than pit road speed because pit road speed is not what the pace car does. It usually does 10 mile an hour faster than pit road speed. NASCAR hits a button. It automatically decelerates the cars and is a limiter. And until they press the button again to release it, the race is basically stopped and all the drivers can do is hit the gas and turn. They already got them doing that at places like Atlanta now anyways. What's what's the difference to do it for a couple of laps under a, a caution? That way the race is just basically in a pause mode in real life. That's essentially what the what they do with the virtual safety car in Formula 1. It's in the driver's hands. They get penalized if they don't do it correctly. We've got 40 guys out there. Maybe let the computer do it for us. Yeah, Eh. eh. <laughs> I, I mean, why I, wouldn't it work? I, again, why I agree.
1: I do not know how well that would go with fans, with Who gives a
0: shit? Who gives a shit at this point? Because you've got half the subset of fans who are pissed off that we sat around for 45 minutes to finish the last 20 laps of the race on Sunday. Right,
1: right but I feel like those – those fans wouldn't wouldn't be upset about it. Um, yeah. I feel like the fans who thought this race was great because of all the cautions would be absolutely livid if they, they saw a caution come better. out and Daniel Suarez keep his 30-second lead, which, again, I'm all for.
0: Um, I don't think they have the mental capacity to know any better that it would change their opinion.
2: Just put scoring loops around the whole track. Like I think right they hand. were bitch to and bitch. Then you get, yeah, I mean, I wanna-
0: they're going to bitch to bitch already. And we'll get into that with our rant here in a second. But, <laughs> I mean, so with all that being said, um, I was going to do a Woker joke on stages, but we've done that every time that we went to a race for a road course, and we did that seven times last year. I think that you know my, you know Colton, and you know Jared, and you know Nathan's points when it comes to stages in road courses. Um, I think we can all say J-O-K-E joke. Is, is just what you're gonna get for us. So let's move on to uh something that I think we should really discuss because um it's something that we've basically kind of been alluding to all, all night um in in the fan kind of viewpoint of what's going on and who the loudest voices are that are pushing the sport. Um and that is from Slap Shoes uh a YouTuber um many of you guys know um he does fantastic content go check it out um he tweeted today People be like, I hate Indy and Pocono. They are so boring, end quote. Uh, My brother in Christ, it was you who said you didn't want any more cookie cutter tracks. So I feel like these are the same fans that thought what we saw Sunday was a great race. But also, I think this is a good discussion to have. Why do we not like cookie cutters? But we don't like Pocono, Indianapolis, and road courses, even for some fans. Well, I mean, just overarching. Let me take this one here.
1: Sorry, Jared. I got to go. Oh, first. you're, oh, oh, you're I good. I've been biting my tongue about this all episode. Um, I completely agree with Slap Shoes here. Um, however, instead of. More cookie cutter tracks. These fans are now wanting all of the races to be the same. They are wanting all of the races to either be Daytona, Talladega, or complete slugfest with a mandatory overtime finish to see guys completely junk each other to win the race. Um, I mean, it's it's bullshit. We take out all of the unique tracks and what made those tracks unique um, to try to make them all the same. The the uh, the the five fifty package ruined Indy. You know the packages that we've had last few years have made Pocono not a great race. And last year was phenomenal. Both those races I thought were great. Um, we actually saw a fuel mileage race again last year, which was outstanding. Um, goes back to what I said earlier about the whole passing and racing thing. Um, you mentioned the Tony Stewart quote, and he also says that if you want to see passing, we can go on the interstate and pass all day. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not want to see pack racing all day. I do not want to see overtime finishes and green-white checkers every single week. I want to see those five, six, maybe seven times a year. Um, I do not, I I want to see strategy play out and tracks like Indy, the oval, um, and then tracks like Pocono are notorious for strategy. They're not notorious for side-by-side blowing your doors off racing. Um, they're notorious for one guy outlasting another. Um, so instead, like I said earlier, instead of getting more cookie cutter tracks, they're actually taking away the unique ones, um, and just making all tracks the same, which is complete bullshit. I think that some of these fans want pack racing at Martinsville. Um, I, I, I am dead here. I do not know what they want because we see what we think is an absolute banger of a race, um, like the second Pocono last year. And we got people calling it boring because there wasn't a side-by-side car-in-the-wall finish at the very end. Um, what I makes guess- a great race great is the fact that it doesn't happen every fucking week. If we start seeing the whole – the Darlington – uh, Craven, Kurt Busch finish every single week. It's not going to be cool.
0: Right, I don't, and I don't think people understand that. It's just like what we right. talked about last week with Cody when he got on here. It's the small brain winning, and I don't know right. why they're the majority of the fans right now.
1: If it's, every day is Christmas, Christmas is not as cool.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Jared, yeah. what's your what's
2: your initial? Uh, well, you? since since people always slander Pocono, Colton kind of like hit the nail on the coffin with that one. Like Pocono's always been notorious for strategy races. It's and it, it's basically like it used to be an endurance race back when it was five hundred miles because you know you'd have guys blowing their engines halfway through. But you know you play strategy, right? I mean, Denny Hamlin won his first race spinning out in turn two, ended up coming back to win. So it's not like there was lack of passing the track before the repay was really good with the old car and i'm like actually excited to see how this new car runs there this year because you like even last year was really good like racing wise with the 550 packages that we had so i i think like Colton was saying i don't want to see like heck people probably want to see pack racing at pocono just because like oh there's long straightaways we can see drafting and packs on the straightaways and then watch them all try to curve into the turns like oh i don't want (laughs) to see that i don't want to see pack racing at pocono i like seeing like races play out naturally. I don't like seeing green-white checkers every single weekend because every week before the race, I'm like, oh, where when's the caution going to come out? 10 to go, 5 to go, 6 to go, 3 to go. It's never like, oh, sweet, we're going to get to see a natural race play out or whatever. Like there's been so many races that have been ruined by a late race caution. And then everyone calls it like the race of the year or something. Whenever in reality, we were in store for a pretty good finish. Like, let's say let's go back to Las Vegas. We were going to see a really good Truex versus Kyle Busch, but no, we had to have caution come out. I'm sure there's plenty, plenty more we can go through, but that list is probably pretty long.
1: And, And to be fair, Alex, you brought this up too about like, like Las Vegas. I'm fine when it's a natural caution. Mm-hmm. Right. When it's a debris caution or when it's uh you know, this car is slow, it's not stopped, but it's slow. We're gonna throw caution. Right? If it's like this last weekend with uh Logano and LaJoy, those are bullshit.
0: Yeah, did, well, you, did mean, you Las did you, Vegas? I love that race, right? I wanted right. I wanted so much for for the 18 to win that race just because of all the shit he had me going through in the weekend. That was a classic did, NASCAR did, race we saw passing everywhere. But I wasn't disappointed with NASCAR that the caution came out. I was just pissed that somebody fucking wrecked. Did
2: you guys did you guys touch on like about Coda at all? Like with how like for I'll I'll just say it anyways. Like whenever Ricky Stenhouse Jr. was like slowly, slowly Mm -hmm. coming to us, they didn't throw. Did you touch on that already?
0: Yeah, that was that was a part of what we already touched. on. Okay, okay. But um, yeah, so I don't know. So. um, and, and you I- guys brought up the 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 fuel mileage races and stuff, and I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Um, the summer series, we always saw Pocono, Michigan, Watkins Glen, New Hampshire, and uh, Pocono in Michigan again. Um, those races were always conductive of 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 strategy racing. We even see it. Um, if you look at some of the the better examples, I look at 2011 as one of the one of the one of the years where two of the most famous races were fuel mileage races. That's when Kevin Harvick got his nickname, the closer, in 2011, at the Auto Club 400, and then backed it up again with another fuel mileage win in the Coke 600 when he passed Dale Jr. on the last lap. Those races were epic. We don't see that. We don't, long gone are the days of the summer series where we have those exciting fuel, fuel mileage finishes. And and do you guys think that that is NASCAR trying to cater to the small brain fans? Or is it just them trying to have pack racing? Everywhere?
1: Both. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think both. I think a lot of the the folks that, that really like this, you know, watching each other's shit up, go on the last lap and 17 cars all fighting for the same bit of track position um, with a green white checkered are the same fans who don't go out and see local races who don't, who have never seen a late model run who have never um, watched any other form of motorsport other than NASCAR. And I don't like calling people out, but I'm sorry, Dakota Rutledge is one of these people. um, I just grind my fucking teeth when he calls certain races, a great race because he doesn't watch anything else. Um, And again, I love the dude personally. But it just irritates me because I, I know he's never been to a local track. And that's some of the best. When I tell you guys, some of the best racing you'll ever see is at your local track with two late model veterans who are in their 40s and 50s, completely duking it out and trying to save their own tires and trying to save their equipment and pass each other cleanly. It is a great race. And that's what I want to see back in NASCAR again. If we keep going down this road, we will never see a photo finish again where cars aren't sideways. Never. Like the whole Jimmy Johnson, Bobby Labonte at Charlotte, Jimmy Johnson, um, Carl Edwards at Atlanta, Jeff Gordon, Kevin Harvick. We will never see that again because these fans, as soon as they aren't completely trashing each other in the fence, are going to call it a bad finish.
2: Yeah, I agree with Colton on that one 100%. I yeah. I even be honest too, like lo- local short track racing, you have like you'll find if you've never gone to one of those, you'll definitely find like a newfound respect for racing itself cuz I'll I'll be honest, like I went to my first ever like little short track race about 4 years ago and that completely changed my entire perspective on NASCAR and I'm like, "Okay, I, I I get this now. Like I get why everyone liked the early 2000s, even like the late 90s and everything. Like I get that. I understand it." And now like catering to that new generation now because you know you look at the highlight reels for the upcoming race or whatever and it's all like either crashes or the close finish that was always manufactured there late at the end so like i guarantee you when we go back to atlanta this summer we're gonna see all the three wide two wide restarts and stuff it's like oh look what we can do here
0: you know like that's what we're gonna see the sad thing is it sells tickets but i don't know this is probably going to be way outside of the realm of more of the soul of the realm of motorsports than I should be on this podcast. But I think it's just because our, our country as a whole has been getting dumber for the last 40 years. Like everyone is just dumber. They can't. And then you add in social media in the 2010s and it's dopamine firing, dopamine firing, dopamine firing. And that's why we scroll. That's why we have TikTok. I mean, TikTok got shit for putting their max video to three minutes over one minute because people just don't want to sit through a three-minute video. I'm guilty of that myself. I'm not going to say I'm not. But society as a whole, we, we've just been getting dumber and the attention span thing, as much as I hate to say it's not or I hate to say is real, it's real. It kills me to say that because I feel like if we stop treating fans like they are dumb – if we go about it in the ways that we did in those '90s and early 2000s broadcasts, where we explained exactly what parts of the cars do, exactly what the the differences are between this guy running a rubber and this guy not running a rubber, what the track bar and the wedge does, um, if we go through what happens in a in a, in a in a in a you know a four tire pit stop, well, why is he doing better after this one? Well, he made a, a air pressure change on the right sides that was better for him. And this guy didn't, you know, if we treated it as a sport and not as entertainment, like we had been, I think we would, we would bring the casual fans to a higher level and they would become like, we are knowledgeable about the sport and be like, Oh, well, this is kind of dumb. This is kind of bullshit. This kind of manufactured. And I, I think you can see that if you, if you bring in, if you bring in a fan and you sit them down and they start watching with you, I feel like as they watch each race, they will learn to be more receptive to a longer run, a strategy race, stuff like that, especially if you're showing them other motorsports like IndyCar, Formula One, Supercars, IMSA, what have you. I I, I don't know. Um, And. And let's not
1: we've, – we've shit on the broadcast a ton, especially this year it seems like.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: but let's not act like NASCAR is only a fault here. The broadcast plays a huge factor into the whole – the dumbing down of the sport. Um, when was the last time you heard a play-by-play call on a race?
0: NBC. They do it. Rick yeah. Allen does it.
1: Rick Allen Dale Jr. do it great. Um, Fox, I cannot recall a single good long play-by-play call at all this year. Um, as soon as they get out of the first turn, whatever track we get, they start branching off and talking about, oh, this driver does this and so so on and so forth. When was the last time you heard on Fox wedge and track bar discussed? They'll say, oh, they're making a track bar adjustment. They're making a wedge adjustment. When was the last time you heard them explain what that does for people who are watching?
0: I don't know. I mean, even Larry Mack, when he chimes in, when they have him spotlight, he says some, some shit that's like very basic. That- yeah, not Larry
1: Mack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Larry Mack's supposed to be America's crew chief, not America's cheerleader. Yeah. Um, and this is going to continue down this road until, A, we get new broadcast partners and we get folks who actually want to, you know, we get a bidding war, so to speak. And folks want to take this sport seriously um, and see it's going to take some really, really big names calling this out. We've started to see a little bit this year. We saw Anthony Alfredo. Um, I think it was this past weekend say, my God, what a cringeworthy pre-race show. Um, the broadcast is why a lot of non NASCAR fans do not take our sport seriously. Um, you know, we have a, we have a joke fest for two and a half hours and then we have Clint screaming into the mic while Mike joy tries to talk and actually explain what's going on. It's going to take a Dale jr. It's going to take Tony Stewart doing it relentlessly. It's going to take some of these other guys saying, Hey, this kind of fucking sucks. Can we take this seriously and cater to some of these diehard fans? Um, We're not going to gain any new fans if every week we only cater to the brand new ones because eventually those brand new ones are going to get tired of it and they're going to want to learn a little bit more and they're going to go to Formula One. They're going to go to IndyCar
2: i honestly used to love the pre-race shows back in the day because they they'd, they'd give you so much like insightful knowledge then they, you know they'd interview almost half the field and then like you know even they do interviews with the um, drivers on the trucks as they're waving to the fans going by i don't even know if they do that anymore because i'll be honest i don't even watch the pre-race show anymore because it just doesn't it's just not as interesting you know i used to be a kid growing up watching that and i'd be like upset if i missed some of the pre-race show because i was just so excited to hear what kind of stuff there's going to be going on but like like you said like most of the time it's just like a joke fest or stuff that's not even like worth it to me at the grid walk. That's not even that good compared to what we used to have. I mean, that's just yeah. cringe. That's just cringe itself. Like I don't want to see him running up and down. Like
1: a waltrip dropping a taco in Denny Hamlin's car. Yeah,
2: like come I on. Mean, that's I mean, fun. come
0: on, that what I mean that's that was TV gold, but yeah. it's a common <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, uh, but I will say to Jared's point, like they do still talk to people before the race but it's not about the racing it's not about your car it's not about what you're going to do to to win it's not about how are you looking for the playoffs how are you how are you doing you know this last six race stretch you've you've dnf three of those times and the other two times you've had you've had 35th or lower places what is going on with your team stuff like that they're not analytical at all with it they're like so you know um we saw that that you sold t-shirts because Kyle Bush said something about it. That's that's wonderful. You got any other yeah. t-shirts you want to sell this week? Like uh, it's just fluff. It's like they everyone thinks that we need to be catering to people that are stupid. Go back and, and watch I think uh... that's an insult to the rest of us. Right. Could... And even new fans come in honestly.
2: Yeah, go back and watch like an early 2000s pre-race show and just see how insightful and how awesome those used to be. Cause that's what I used to live for back in the day.
1: Yeah. You remember, uh, Wally's world.
2: Yes. You know,
1: they used a hot lap around the track and actually explain to you, okay, there's a big bump right here, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. man. I wish they would do that. They kind of do it with NBC a little bit. Um, but even NBC, the broadcasters seem bored after about three to four laps. You got guys like Latart and junior trying to breathe life into it. Um, but unless there's a six, seven wide restart and things like that, they just kind of seem bored.
0: Yeah, and that—that's—I—I I don't know what happened. I remember Rick Allen, um, as a just very energetic, very you know exemplary person when he was in the truck booth. He was someone I looked forward to broadcasting every weekend, and now he's been memefied so much. I don't know if it's just production crew saying, "Hey, you need to tone it down. We need to be this, that, and the other." Um, and then even Mike Joy this year, I don't know if it's because he hates Clint Boyer, because I hate Clint Boyer. Um, I will just assume so. Um, I think that's it. I mean, to, to, to the point of the broadcast themselves, I'm just going to go out and say it. Clint Boyer's a fucking Darf. Yeah. He is. I mean, he was – I heard that he was praising and calling people out on Twitter about how just exemplary Atlanta was. And – then you know brett griffin comes on dbc and says he'd have been the number one hater of that racetrack had he been in the car
1: right yeah and i i'm in i'm always on the side of we don't need people in the booth who are a good guy and kind of fun to be around we need guys who are smart who are analytical who can provide insight um i think that's why latart does so well in the booth um you know and dale jr and jeff burton do so well in the booth because they're not super partiers anymore you know they're they're analytical. They take it super serious, and to me, it seems like Clint just shows up, throws on a suit, slams back a beer, and says, "All right, what are we doing this week?" You know, it's
0: fucking irritating. That's yeah, really yeah. good.
2: That was a really good impression.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't
2: it? That's sounds oh,
0: So uh-huh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask Jared this one. Um, I don't know how long you've been a NASCAR fan. Um, as far as how far you've gone back and watched broadcasts and stuff but with with uh, Colton bringing up that point do you remember the difference between saturday and sunday Darrell um
2: i would like i i can't really honestly answer that one i remember i i watched my first full season was 2007 and i have gone back and watched a lot of races from probably like early too. I've even watched some late nineties races too, but I've watched I've watched a couple of Bush races back then too. So I, I can't really give you an honest answer on that one. At the moment, I'd have to actually go back and watch some of those right now.
0: I would like for you to go watch some practice races. I want you to go watch Darrell Waltrip on TNN. whether that's Bush series that, that's probably Bush series races from, from, okay. from the nineties. Go watch Daryl Waltrip, and I guess Colton, I'll let you explain the difference between Daryl Waltrip, the 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 character, and Daryl Waltrip, the race analyst.
2: Yeah. Okay. Give, yeah. Give me some couple. Give me some insights on that. So
1: Saturdays used to see. Saturdays used to kind of almost be like the fun or the party. Um, you know. I mean, you have Michael race in the Bush series too, and that's when he was doing all right. Um, I'll send you a couple links. There are a few that you can put on just in the background. You can hear the difference um, just in the way he calls a race between the same weekend, a Bush race and a cup race. Um, don't get me wrong. Dale's Daryl's always been kind of the goofier character, but there was a clear and concise line between the job and the fun. Um, and like I said, I'll find, I think like 2003 Darlington was a really good one where he was making a great race call. Um, whereas the race before was kind of just poking at
2: it. Okay, yeah, yeah give, me, give me a couple of links and I'll watch some of them, these next and couple days.
0: And when they first started in Fox, um, one of the biggest things was, um, and you you can see the progression of Daryl Waltrip, the character, being built. He always did boogity-boogity-boogity um, from his third race on Fox. That was something that was a staple for him. I don't blame that. That was fucking awesome. Uh, I, I don't care about how jokey it sounds or whatever. But you could look at him on a Saturday at practice. You can look at him on a Friday at practice. And he would be just as, if not more, insightful than Larry Mack. But on Sunday, he was no no different than Digger, just another cartoon character.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was really cool going back and watching old qualifying videos. I've got, I think, most of the two thousand three season saved just because that was kind of my favorite year. Um, and it's it's amazing the difference in the broadcast. Don't get me wrong. Um, there, there was a difference when he would call a Bush race versus the Cup race, but it was still – there was a seriousness to it.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, this is actually kind of interesting. I'll have to dig into this a little bit and give my opinions on the next show about it.
0: Yeah. So, um, I mean, with all that, I want to circle back around one, one more thing before we, we kind of move on to uh, some more stuff. Colton, you mentioned a couple of races. You mentioned the – uh, 2001 Jeff Gordon versus uh, Kevin Harvick race. You mentioned the 2000, and I want to say seven Jimmy Johnson and Carl Edwards race. You mentioned the uh, 2006 Coke 600. These are all mile and a half that I'm listening by the way, so just keep that in mind. Um, I'll throw in the 2012 um, Atlanta race as well, um, and I want you guys to tell me what those all have in common um, because I think I fucking know.
1: Long runs to end the race?
0: Absolutely. Long green flag runs to end the race. And you know what they did? They finished in photo finishes. So let's circle back around to that. Um, how can we look at highlight videos from the last 30 to 40 years, see this kind of stuff happening, and genuinely think that that's going to happen in a green white checker?
1: Um, Darfs. <laughs> because there's a, there's a ton of people who talk – on Twitter about the old races who I guarantee have never gone back and watched a full full length race who have never said, all right, there's nothing on today. I'm going to sit down, um, scroll through my phone. I'm going to watch this race. Um, just as it was happening live. Um, which is something I love to do, especially in the offseason. Oh yeah, absolutely. See, um, I do that
2: during the season. I'll yeah. watch that. Like this week's Richmond week. I'm probably going to go watch. So like I was, I watched the 2011 Richmond race that Kyle Busch won.
1: Yeah, that was a good one. Um, But to see these whole strategies play out um, and hear the analytics over the entire course of the race is phenomenal. And it makes you see the giant holes that we have in racing now um, and in the broadcast now. Um, it It is amazing to go back and look at like the 2001 Atlanta race and watch what led up to that finish. Everyone knows Harvick by inches, but you don't know that there were six cars and Harvick was at the very back of that that kind of group pack, and that we're all using different lines and searching for grip, um, trying to sniff a draft here and trying to get away from it and break the wake here. Um, That one's fantastic. Uh, The 2005 Atlanta with Carl Edwards and Jimmy Johnson, um, where Carl was hunting him down and you'd see him make a mistake and have to gather it up and spend another two laps building momentum. Um, That was – when I look back at when NASCAR – when I loved NASCAR as a kid – That's what I think of is because I'd always, you know, I'd kind of do kids' chit and play around for the first, you know, three quarters of the race, but I'd always make sure I watched like those last 40 laps and figure out what was happening here. What kind of run are we going to have? Um, That's what I miss. You're not going to get it with a green-white checkered. You're going to get people wadding their shit up um, because winning is so much more important
2: now. I miss I miss the I miss the build up. That's the word I'm gonna use with yeah. There's a nice little build yeah. up that, you know, coming ten ten to go, like always oh, two seconds, but he every single lap they'd show, all right, he cut off a couple tenths off of this lap, he cut another tenth off. Oh, there's lap traffic coming. Look at this, we got a we got a potential close finish, but now it's like there's ten laps to go and everyone like guarantee how many times have you thought like when there's ten to go, like, all right, when's the caution coming out? Yeah. I didn't but- I didn't used to think that whenever I was a kid. I would always like make like no like I would grow up basically thinking like, all right, there's 10 to go. If he has like a massive like five second lead, I'm like, all right, this race is pretty much over. But then I could also see like, all right, he's catching him. There's a chance to there's a chance for him to come back. Like I'll use like, let's go Texas 2007 fall race. Whenever Matt Kenseth was leading and Jimmy Johnson was clap by lap by lap, catching him two to go, passes him and wins the race.
0: Yeah, that that's
2: know. that's the races I miss. That's the races I miss. The whole build up to the final ending, like a nap, like one of those last lap passes or late passes, and that come naturally without like a debris caution or something. That's what I like live for. Green wet checkers yeah. are cool, like every once in a while, but those natural playing out races, like even like last year's fuel Mind race, at Pocono, that was awesome.
0: Yeah, um, one of those things that that you said was. You look for the caution now. And I could say Las Vegas, that's exactly what I, I, I started doing. I was like, please, no caution. Please, no caution. Please, no caution. Because <laughs> that's something we haven't seen in a long time, a long green flag run on an intermediate track where someone was actually able to catch the leader. That's what the 19 was doing to the 18. We, we probably know that they were going to battle – Maybe the 18 keeps the win, maybe the 19 grabs it, but we're not going to find that out until the the end of the race. Cut short by caution, exactly what we didn't want. Um, So I look back at that race versus Kansas Fall 2020, and we had a 40-lap run to the end. No one could fucking do anything with it. So we have the cars now to get back to this classic NASCAR era, but we've got stages and necessity for action from the higher ups to want to force something exciting when we can create something exciting genuinely. And that's, what's disappointing to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would. And I've said it on here too. What makes good races good are the fact that there are, you know, there that not every race is a barn burn. Um, You know, when I was a kid watching, there were times where Jimmy Johnson was leading by 10, 12 seconds, and I was praying for a caution because I knew that so-and-so behind him was on fresher tires, and they just didn't have enough time. Um, But there were also times where I saw guys clicking down great lap times, and you don't always get that great finish. You know, you see them clicking off lap times, and they just run out of time, and that kind of, you know, deflates the sails, but for a good 10, 15, 20 laps, you were on the edge of your seat hoping, man, is he going to catch him? Is he going to catch him? You're not thinking... Holy crap! No caution, please. No caution, please. No caution. You know, it's a, it's just a difference in a mindset there. To where now it's shitty that we expect cautions um, when we really shouldn't. It's kind of like, uh, you know, expecting that your dog's gonna chew something up if you leave him home. You know, it just fucking sucks.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's been a pretty decent episode tonight. I will ask before we go ahead and hit our outro, Jared. Uh, do we have anything? um else that we want to talk about?
2: Um not not that I can think of. I think you guys touched on everything and I had I had I said what I need to say about those things. I got all my hot takes out of the way. So I'm looking forward to Richmond this week. I actually think that after going to Richmond last year, I think this new car is actually going to put on a really good race this weekend. So I'm actually really excited to see what happens
0: all right yeah me too um so about that we uh do want to shout out even though nathan ball was not with us tonight he is currently uh working on a jgr slash richmond article um and if you know uh you know what that article is going to be about but it's going to be a very good look into the analytics of what jgr does right at this racetrack is it going to flow over into the next gen platform with the toyota woes for 2022 so far and that's going to be up sometime this week if he's already not posted it while we would be doing the show tonight. So shout-out to him. Go check out FanFuelMotorsports.com to go see that article. Uh, we'll have more stuff coming your way. I've got my uh, six-race um, points format already uh, in the works, and we'll have that out sometime later this week as well. Um, going to go ahead and shout-out that uh, our one of our favorite guests, Kevin from Virginia, will be – Also going to his first NASCAR race this year at Richmond uh, for his home track. And then uh, let's also let you know that the week after the Bristol dirt race, which I think is three weeks from tonight, we will be doing another edition of wide open fan fuel. So get ready to get on the show. We got 10 spots. You guys can come fill in and we can have a whole round table discussion about what happened to Bristol and whatever else you want Uh, guys. You have anything else to add before we shut her down?
1: No, I'm set. That's going to be a fun episode. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Yeah, check out Nate's new article. Um, I've been working on an article for like three weeks now. I really need to kind of get going on it um, about a Twitter celebrity. Um, So keep an eye out for that. I will be sharing it as soon as it comes live. Um,
0: Yeah, other than that, I'm good. All right. Uh, I will not be on the show the next two weeks. The guys will be carrying the torch on. Uh, I will be at work. We're going to be doing some what-ifs. We're also going to be doing something else special. So we're not really going to have any fan spotlights in the next couple weeks, but we are going to be doing some cool stuff, not just race recaps or over-joke like we have been. We're going to get back to our roots and do some crazy shit uh, because we're fueling some really interesting talk uh, by fans. So we'll see you then next week Uh, and uh, furthermore on –
2: I got one more thing. All right. What go you, ahead, Jared. All right. So since we're kind of going to, since we have the thing called the West Coast swing, I saw this on Twitter also, since we had our West Coast swing, what are we going to call these next three race swing? Do we count Bristol dirt as a short track or is that just a short dirt track? I
1: count we it count as a short track.
2: track. So we got three short tracks. So we got three short tracks in a row. Is this like a short track swing? Or what would you guys call this? Yeah. Short
1: um, tracks? I'll think of a witty name.
2: I was just curious on what, people, what you guys would think of for that.
1: Yeah, I'll think of a witty name for it. I think that's a good idea. All
2: right. I don't know. Yeah, sorry, I cut, out sorry. Yeah, sorry I cut your outro on that. I was just thinking of that about before we left.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you all next week. Check us out on the website, fanfieldmotorsports.com, Twitter, and uh, Facebook and Instagram at Fuel, MSM capital F, capital F, capital MSM. Go ahead and check us all out on Twitter. Uh, At our apps that are on screen right now. And we will see you next week. All right.